Welcome to Energy Stories, a podcast powered by Net2Grid, dedicated to thought-provoking conversations with energy industry experts. I'm your host, Elizabeth Sergiatu, Senior Business Development Manager at Net2Grid. Today, I am excited to share the microphone with two special guests who are joining me from Milan, where Enlit, one of Europe's biggest energy fairs, is taking place from the 30th of November until the 2nd of December 2021. My two special guests are both CEOs of European technology companies, which help energy retailers unlock value from their data. Torsten Heller is the CEO of Greenbird. Good morning, Torsten, and welcome to Energy Stories. Good morning. And Bert Lucia Berenbroek is the CEO of Net2Grade. Good morning and welcome to Energy Stories, Bert. Good morning, Elizabeth. So uh, we have you both um, live from uh, the Enlit Fair. We're sitting at Greenbird's booth and it's so great that we get the opportunity to discuss about how you see the fair um, so far. We're at the third day of um, the fair. But before we jump into this conversation, could I please ask both of you to describe in two sentences what your companies do and what is their mission? Torsten, would you like to start? I would like to start, of course. Thank you. So what we are doing in Greenbird, we have built an enterprise iPaaS an integration platform purpose-built for utilities. Our vision and our mission is to make data fly. So what we want to do is help utilities to break data silos and make data available to build the innovative services driving the energy transition. So our Utilihive platform is interconnecting all the different enterprise systems and the IoT sensors and smart meters, and then it's providing data in a harmonized fuse to build smart services like Net2Grid. And I think that is a perfect transition. So, Bert, maybe you explain what you are doing. Yeah, definitely. So Net2Grid is an AI company, and uh, we turn data into value for energy retailers. And we do that on different granularities, so we can consume smart meter data, so the, the, the 15 minute load curves um, that we get passed on from Greenbird. And uh, we, we translate that into value. Value as in uh, helping customers understand their bill, but also value for DSOs to plan uh, grid uh, uh, expansions and to uh, identify congestion in the grid, and also value for energy retailers to forecast the next day. So we really help their trading uh, organizations to minimize the correction error for the next day. We also uh, translate real-time data into value. So we have uh, hardware that fits to all the meters in, in, in Western Europe North America and Australia, and we stream data to our cloud platform, uh, where we then um, uh, translate that data into value into real-time appliance events that can be used either for home energy management or uh, for insights towards consumers. That's excellent. Thank you both. Um, and you are both very knowledgeable and um, have a lot of experience throughout the years. Uh, this is not the first time you participate at the European Utility Week, which is uh, this year is called Inlit. So uh, given your experience, I would like to get your opinion with regards to, you know, how does the, this first physical Enlit um, look like after the COVID lockdowns? Um, um, is there a lot of people on the ground? Um, what is your feeling? Yeah, maybe I can start and help you just add in. But uh, there are a lot of people. So I'm surprised in a positive way because I did not expect so many people being here. And the second thing uh, that is also interesting, the quality of people. So the people we are meeting now 
are knowledgeable people. They all know what we are doing, not we are doing, but what the energy transition needs to do. So if I compare it with uh, for two, three, four years ago, we had to explain much more uh, what is energy transition, what is digital transformation. This year, what I saw, the quality of discussions were quite high. So people were asking, how can I implement smart services? What can I do with the data? So no more dis uh, discussions. What is energy transition? What is digital transformation? All the discussions we had were how to implement it, what is the first step, and that is something that amazes me because it, see, it looks like we are now finally moving fast forward. So if I would summarize, it's more people than expected. The quality and the knowledge is much higher, and it's a clear focus on getting things done. I, I totally uh, relate to that. Um, I, I must admit that when we started uh, two days ago, in the morning, I uh, I got a bit scared. I was like, because it was not that busy back then. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to spend three days here in the booth with a lot of people and we're, go we're going, to, uh, going to only talk to each other. But, uh, but then the, the day started and um, we did not have a moment, right? We did not have a moment to even drink a cup of coffee because you go from conversation into conversation. And good news is that on previous fairs, you know, sometimes you meet people that are never going to buy a product from you or they're, they're like students or they're like, like not, uh, not in the business. They're just visiting a fair to visit a fair and they consume your time. And, and you think like, how am I going to end this conversation? Well, this was not happening this week. It's, uh, it were all high quality meetings um, and people, people were taking their time. Right, uh, so people were spending more time uh, with each other to just have a deeper conversation, um, and I, yeah, I, I also recognize what what Torsten is saying that um, uh, customers are much further along in their yeah and their uh, uh, thought process about how to transition um, their businesses into um, a, a more sustainable way. That is very interesting. Um... So I was wondering whether there was a moment during the conversations that you have had those uh, three last days where you learned something new or you had an aha moment that you would like to share with our audience. We, we had a, 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 a very strong focus on energy retailers uh, because uh, in order to, to do magic with data, you need to have the consent of, um, uh, of the customer, of the end customer. And uh, in the energy chain, it is the energy retailer who owns the relation with the end customer. But uh, what, what we really learned during this show is that um, uh, we can deliver extreme value to DSOs based on uh, uh, anonymized data where they don't need a, a special mandate from end customers to identify where in the grid congestion problems are appearing. And this is a, a, a new business model that was not really appeared during this show that uh, there is this need in the market and that we can actually, that we're actually allowed to use the data in that way without an explicit consent from consumers. One thing what I learned now during the last two or three days, uh, during the discussions, I have seen that the utilities we spoke with and of course the utility partners we spoke with, they finally have bought into the concept what Bert and I was talking about for many years, the importance of real-time data. So we already have 200 million smart meters deployed in Europe. So a lot of data. But what we had in the discussions, and that is something what I learned, more and more of the utilities are starting to think about a higher resolution of metering data. 
So meaning one hour, 15 minutes, five minutes. Some people even talk about minutes. So we are really moving into the real-time business. And that is something I learned because Bert and I, we always talk about it. The future of energy is real-time. That's what we always said. But now the utilities are also into this thought. And that is, of course, good news for Greenbird. <laughs> because it means you need a big data integration platform like Utilihive to be able in, uh, to be in this real-time business. But I really saw now they are moving. They are moving and we are getting even more data than we ever expected. That is great to hear that both of you have taken away uh, things and ideas that can um, be beneficial to your business, uh, thanks to the conversations we've been having with uh, the people on the ground. And you both alluded to that, that this year there's been less people walking around. And probably that's because as we speak, uh, COVID-19 um, is on the rise again in Europe. And so a lot of people who were meant to be adamantly decided against uh, participating in the so I would like to talk uh, for a minute about COVID-19 and how this pandemic has affected the energy industry in your view. I can start with my thoughts on that. First of all, when we think back 18 months or two years ago when the pandemic started, many of utilities had to do a, what they call the digital transformation. But what it meant for many of them was to work remotely. Many of our utility clients have never worked remotely. They have never worked with Teams or Zoom. They never had laptops because all the business was focused around their premises. So uh, what I saw is that many of our utility clients had to transform from an on-premise uh, work environment to work remotely. And that is, of course, affecting our business because it meant the focus for some of the utilities was really on a remote work environment. And we can see that now the industry is recovering because uh, those three or six months they needed to transform from a on-premise work environment to a digital remote work environment, these six months are of course missing. We in our business, but that is now recovering. So that was one clearly uh, or one clear impact of COVID. The digital transformation meaning the remote work environment that was really new for some of our clients. And to give you one fun fact, I think we spent three months to teach our clients in the Middle East how to use Teams and Zoom because it's a completely new kind of working. You have to be on time. You have to mute. You have to unmute. And for us now, everybody understands it. But think back 18 months ago, many utilities, many of the people we met, they were not used to something like that. So that is a, one of the biggest impacts I've ever seen. I, I, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. And I, I have two observations uh, on, on top of what, what Thorsten is saying. Uh, one is um, the velocity of making uh, appointments and scheduling meetings uh, with, um, uh, with uh, people that you, yeah, that you normally take like half a year to schedule a physical, physical meeting with. It's, it's amazing. You know, it's, uh, uh, we, we are accelerating much faster because um, uh, uh, customers are used to plan their own agenda and uh, it's, it's much easier to get access to decision makers. So that's, um, that's a very positive uh, change. And the second thing is uh, the observation that, that I had during this fair. Uh, you're finally, after two years, meeting people that you've met so many times on Zoom or Teams and um, uh, 
people are either much smaller or much taller than, than, than you expect. Because you always saw them just uh, by uh, sitting on the chair in front of a camera. And that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a, a funny experience as well, to finally meet people. And what do you think about me? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I just said to us. I, 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 I saw you walking around. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. Excellent. I can definitely uh, relate to uh, to this last point, Bert, because uh, I also started working for a netto grid uh, during the pandemic. So I had always uh, met colleagues uh, from uh, their face to their torso. I never knew how they looked in reality. And uh, it's really nice when we actually get to see each other uh, in real life. So that's cool. Um, so from the discussions you've been having uh, with the people at Enlit, uh, I'm sure you must have touched upon issues and challenges uh, that the industry, the energy industry is faced with today. So I was wondering, according to your take, uh, what are the most pressing issues in the energy industry today? One of the most pressing issues is access to data and unlocking data. I mean, it's, um, it's clear to all uh, C-level executives in the in the in the uh, in the industry, that data is key in order to uh, to manage their business and to manage the relation with customers and uh, to build trust with customers. And um, what uh, what everybody is seeing is that there are actually two factors uh, that are important to uh, to trans to transform the relation uh, energy retailers have with customers into from a uh, selling commodity uh, relation into a relation of selling services. Um, and these services are mostly complex. So it, it, it takes trust from a customer that uh, the energy retailer is the trusted party that can help them with their uh, energy uh, journey. And the second thing is you need time with customers. So you need time to explain, not during a phone call, about uh, an energy bill that is either too high or too low. Uh, but during uh, during the year, you need time to explain how these services will work out for uh, for customers. And I can maybe add one thing. Uh, Bert already talked about it. One of the biggest challenges, unlocking data. That was our core topic too we discussed. And there's uh, one additional aspect, and that is this on-premise to cloud transition, because many, many of the utilities will also in the future have on-premise systems, GATA solutions, OT solutions. So for many of the utilities, the biggest challenge is, as Bert said, unlocking data and how to unlock the data that is on-prem. So this OT-IT integration is a real challenge for many of the utilities. And if we want to build the smart services of the future, we have to combine OT and IT. And that is the real challenge for the utilities, unlocking data and unlocking data from my on-prem systems, from my legacy systems. And I think, Bert, you would agree with me, also in five to ten years, utilities will still have some systems on-premise. Utilities will always have legacy systems. So this challenge, we just have to handle. We can help them, though. Exactly. By just a very simple marketing trick. Right? Because utilities, they are used to have data in their basement. And uh, to bring data to the cloud, it's it's a huge step. But we can just rename the cloud into the basement. right? Yeah. So now it is it becomes like, is, is the data in your basement or in another basement? So that's a, a marketing trick to make it easier. Exactly. I like it. Yeah, or as Frederick and I, in our marketing, we call it buckets, the data buckets. And that's why we have started to talk about the data mesh. Now you have different data buckets, but I like your idea with the basement. 
<laughs> nice. So it seems that uh, data, uh, access to data and digitalizations are key themes at Invade this year. And I think that's only nor normal since they play a crucial role in the energy transition and digital transformation. So Torsten, you touched upon this earlier, but uh, I, I was wondering whether you could speak more to how can energy retailers access smart meter today in Europe? So there are several possibilities, of course, and depending on the energy system you are operating in, many of the countries are operating uh, these national data hubs where you get the data from the national data hub. But the, uh, the core question again is the resolution of the data. What is the service you want to offer? In some of the cases, it's not enough to get the data from these national data hubs because it's a day delayed and it's maybe only a one hour's resolution. So at the moment, and that is also one of the visions I'm having for the future, that in the utilities, in the future, we will have at least two data streams. We will have one data stream related to smart meters and billing, and we will have one data stream which is more real-time, and this data stream will be used to build the smart services. And that is also what I see, uh, what is important for energy retails in the future, to think about two different streams. You have one stream you use for billing purposes mainly, and then you need a higher resolution, maybe, maybe a real-time stream where you are building the services on top of that. Yeah, and, and, and don't forget that over time, um, the importance of these different streams uh, will flip, right? Because I'm waiting for the moment that uh, there will be an energy retailer that will say like, you know what? The energy you buy from, you, you're getting from us is free because we will make sure that uh, we are managing your uh, your ecosystem in such a way that you hardly consume any, any external energy. So we will make sure that your net consumption is almost zero um, and we will charge you. Uh, in order to, to, to manage that service, we need the real-time data stream, and that is not billing data, right? That is just uh, data to manage, uh, and for that service, we will charge you, and the actual data that is needed for billing, you know, we can skip, we can stop measuring the, the billing data because we're not going to invoice you anyway. So that's, that's, that, that's going to be a mind shift that is really transforming this complete market because everybody at this trade show is thinking about yeah accurate data because the the, the, the bills have to be correct and uh, the data has to be has to be validated the the, the meters has to be uh, have to be uh, secured and and because it's uh, it's billing level data well this is going to change exactly and i remember in 2011 2012 i did a presentation in one of the first smart metering conferences in uh, Scandinavia. And I was talking about that one day we will have AI companies like NetoGrid and they can predict the consumption. So why do we need smart meters at all? And guess what? They never invited me again. <laughs> Um, so, so um, Torsten uh, talked about how real-time data will be used uh, to create services that energy retailers can then offer to their consumers. So I was wondering whether, Bert, you could uh, speak to those opportunities that real-time data can unlock for energy retailers in that perspective. So here in, in Italy, uh, the energy contracts are, uh, there are a lot of people with a capacity limited energy contract, like a, a six amp uh, contract. And uh, if, if you consume more capacity than, uh, than actually uh, uh, is in your contract, the breaker in the meter will physically shut down, right? Uh, and if you live in an apartment, that's really annoying because then you have to go to the basement and you have to uh, switch the, the, the breaker back in order to, to have to power your apartment. So what we're, one of the services we're, we're building and, and we have built together with our partner in uh, North Italy, uh, NEN, it's a, an Aduara company. It's, it's a service based on our hardware they call the Robo and um, uh, it will ping people, it will give people a push message 
if the energy consumption in the apartment becomes to a critical level. And then people can uh, can be notified and switch off the iron or the, the, the device that is consuming too much in order to avoid that they have to go to the basement and to avoid that uh, the power will be cut off. So that's that's an example of how real-time data is being used. Today uh, or yesterday, we, we, we discussed with uh, iTron and uh, Amazon, very nice use case because we run our software uh, on the edge uh, on the new iTron Viva meters. And we detect um, with our uh, artificial intelligence uh, capacity, we detect the real-time charging events of EVs. Now, that data is transformed via the network of iTron to uh, to a backend. And we can translate that into a, an event on the Amazon Alexa, uh, where they're using, um, they call it ambient intelligence, where they can uh, sense if a person is coming at home. And uh, we can simply ask the question to the consumer, like, hey, we notice you're charging your car at peak hours. Do you want me to reschedule to off-peak hours? Uh, and this is a, a very simple example of how the experience of energy can become very natural and how you can uh, make the life of people easier because energy is still a low interest product uh, people are very happy to change their behavior a, a, a little bit but it should not be complex what you just described is a service where energy is moving into providing a lifestyle service because i always talk about as an energy supplier as a retailer you have to become a lifestyle provider otherwise you are out of business it's a low marching business and what just was describing is exactly one of these lifestyle services we are talking about because we need this kind of digital lifestyle and that was a perfect example. And that's why I'm also so excited at the moment because now when you look in the future, we as consumers for the first time can really be part of the energy transition and that is so great to be part of. And, and it's, it's, it's happening now already, right? Uh, there are lifestyle companies like IKEA, yeah. uh, Tesla. Um, in Holland, we have uh, Cool Blue. They're moving into the energy uh, segment. So they are selling energy now to uh, consumers, not, not with the purpose to earn, uh, uh, to, to have like higher margins and, and to make a lot of money on energy. No, they understand that energy in the future will be free. And it's all about services. It's all about affecting the lifestyle of customers. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting indeed. And it touches upon uh, the last question I wanted to ask you both, which is to give me your predictions with regards to how the energy landscape will look 10 years from now. You've already painted a picture of some sort, but I was wondering whether you would like to add to that. You know, the uh, ecosystem will become larger, right? Uh, in, in the past, you just had your energy retailer providing energy to you, and uh, that, that was it. Now, the ecosystem becomes much larger. Um, uh, we even signed our first contract with a bank in Holland. Um, it's uh, the Rabobank. It's, um, it's a large bank. And uh, we are helping them to uh, sell green mortgages uh, because they understand that the energy transition is also a transition from OPEX, from operational expenses, to CAPEX, like capital investments. Uh, because consumers, they need to make their homes uh, more um, more green. They, they need to increase, uh, improve the label, the energy label of their home. Um, and that's those are investments like isolating your home, putting solar panels on your home, uh, installing a heat pump, installing a battery. Those are... Uh, high capital intensive investments uh, and the banks are uh, are funding that by offering green mortgages so now the bank becomes part of that ecosystem um, if you have equipment in the home that equipment has to be managed um, somebody has to monitor if 
the equipment is, is working well because the, yeah, the complexity of equipment, uh, of the energy equipment in the home is increasing and consumers don't want to be bothered. So there will be an ecosystem of equipment manufacturers that are actually stop selling just equipment. They sell like a service. They sell uh, equipment with a, a yearly fee to kind of monitor equipment and, and maybe an insurance policy to, to come and replace the equipment if it is necessary. So the ecosystem will be way more complex and, and the energy retailers today need to strategize on what their role will be in the ecosystem. And uh, I think I already mentioned it, but I'm quite sure the retailers, the energy suppliers as we know them today, they are gone. It might be 10 years, it might be 15 years, but they are gone. Because exactly what we just talked about you have to be a lifestyle provider and energy and energy data will be part of the digital lifestyle in the future. So I believe also that in the future, I'm renting an apartment, I'm subscribing to 22 degrees in my apartment, summer and winter time. I subscribe to 50 kilometers of mobility, but I do not buy kilowatt hours anymore. That is one of the things. So I'm quite sure the future energy retailer will be a lifestyle provider. And I'm so glad to hear what Bert just described because that is the first step. But that also means when you look at the DSO, the grid companies, the grid companies become a real distribution service operator with a focus on S like service managing our resources. And now I mean, of course, distribution network, the energy distributed. They have to manage it in a much smarter way real time. So we will have the DSOs really becoming DSOs focus on S service and the retailer will be a lifestyle provider. Well, that's super. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into the future, both of you. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you today and I wish you a very productive last day at Enlit and a safe trip back home. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's all for today's episode of Energy Stories. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Energy Stories on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For any questions or suggestions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at netagree.com. Until next time, take care.